thing was like i'd like to apologize in advance to at least one of my friends who is from australia that i know has listened to oh, an that's right or two. we've talked about this before yeah. on the podcast i think yeah peter told me he listened to a few of our episodes so i don't know if he's still doing that but i'm sorry in advance because we're probably going to do some accents that are going to be awful yeah, but they're not any more awful or less awful than our regular everyday accents. Yeah, that's a good or point. Or the ones that we do on the podcast. That's a good point. Like People have heard our voices. They know how dumb we sound. Everybody sounds dumb. Except, like, Jeremy Irons. He sounds smart. <laughs> Weird Al. Yeah. Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Did you only say Kate Blanchett? Blan- <laughs> <laughs> Kate Blanchett. I always want to accent it differently than you do, and that, and then I second guess myself, and then it just ends. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I don't know which is right. Okay. What was your question? Was it how to pronounce it? No, it I was... think we've reached the uh, the impasse. No, it was. Uh, are you only mentioning her because we watched Nightmare Alley this week, unrelated to the podcast? No, I'm just trying to think of people who I think who I've heard speak who I think sound smart. People sound goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Vo- voices are weird. Okay. I think we can all agree. Rosalie's got a good voice. Yeah, Rosalie has a good voice. Every time I listen to her podcast, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. She's got a good voice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people with good voices who I think also sound kind of goofy or silly, like dum-dums, yeah. like me. Well, she also prepares her material, so she can sound as smart as she wants to. Well, yeah, I mean, she's, <laughs> I mean that's intelligent smart. I just mean sound, like, sound smart, sound put together, sound sharp. Yeah. Like, I think Kamel Nanjiani has a good voice, but I think he also sounds like a total goofball. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a good voice. It just sounds like a goofball. All right. I don't know. There's something about his voice that it always sounds like he's, like, smiling bemusedly at either what you or yeah, what yeah. he is saying. He yeah. does always sound like he's having a good time. Yeah. I listened to a bunch of uh, his podcasts, his his podcasts and his podcast appearances. Yeah. And he always sounds like he's having a blast. Yeah. So, I mean, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, so most people sound kind of goofy. You know, and then you have, like, Clint Eastwood, who just sounds like he's trying hard not to sound goofy. The same way Tom Cruise is trying to run, like, a really intensely macho guy. Well, also, Clint Eastwood does that thing that you said was the basis of the Australian accent, where he just tries to talk through his teeth all the time. He kind of does. It's that he doesn't move his jaw, and those things are similar, but not the same. Okay, okay, yeah. He just kind of, yeah. He tries to make every opening on his face as narrow as possible Right, I was going to say, the the littlest uh, mouth movements he can possibly manage. yeah. Because that's real tough. Squinty eyes you and don't move your face. <laughs> and non-dilated nostrils. Yeah. Just as, just as narrow as possible. Yeah, like a tired snake. Yeah, <laughs> or like an angry old shoe. <laughs> Boy. Oh, I'm sorry. Is is Clint Eastwood gonna get offended that I said he's kind of like an angry old shoe? Because that would be the most angry old shoe shit ever. He said I'm an angry old shoe. I'll show you what this shoe can do. <laughs> next movie is about, like, a cool old guy who beats up a podcaster. (laughs) And then he has sex with, like, three women. I just don't think it's fair to be mean. (laughs) I think for some people it definitely is. Okay. That's why the concept of punching up exists. Yeah. I don't think there would be anyone in 
the world who would argue that we are somehow above Clint Eastwood on any metric, except I guess youth. But even that, I think he's probably in better shape than me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Clint Eastwood could probably beat me in a fight right now. (laughs) He's like three times my age, (laughs) but like he could probably whip my ass. I feel like that's totally true and fair. Okay. Depends on how much wrestling he watches. Yeah. Because if he thinks we're going to get into right. fisticuffs, I probably have an advantage because he doesn't know I'm going to put him in like a sleeper. Yeah. Hurricane Rana. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Hurricane Rana that old man. Yeah. <laughs> but then he narrows his eyes and goes, go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> he actually does the GTS yeah. to me. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I did not see that coming. No. Do you feel lucky, punk? <laughs> Do you? I'm like, are you intentionally referencing CM Punk? He's like, who? I invented this. CM Punk me. <laughs> it's a lot of wrestling. Yeah, I things. know. I'm just uh, now John Cena's in the mix. Yeah, it's just a hat <laughs> on a hat. That's how I win. Is John Cena was in the ring with me the whole time, but you couldn't see. Him. <laughs> Secret tag team. Yeah, John Cena's like, I got your back, dude. Oh boy. Yeah, if we were at wrestling, there would be a lot of jokes about people literally can't see John Cena. That actually happened this week. Oh, did it? Yeah, The Miz fake tripped himself oh. and tried to blame it on like I don't even know who at the edge of the ring. <laughs> And, um, like, like wrestling fans or whatever put, put it in their story. and But it said, like, did John Cena trip The Miz? Because it was clearly no one. Amazing. Yeah, he's trying to yeah. draw draw an interference. Mm-hmm. Oh, The Miz. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's always great. Yeah. Anyway, this is not about wrestling. No. There's no wrestling in this It's movie. also not about Clint Eastwood. No, no. It's Clint Eastwood adjacent in that it is kind of a Western. And okay. it's wrestling adjacent in that there's rustling. Yeah. Which sounds like wrestling. Sure. I feel like that's Wait, do you little... not think those two words sound similar? <laughs> I feel like <laughs> you're trying to do more with less right now. Yeah, that's my whole... That's how this whole show runs. I know. This whole show is less. Yeah. We we rarely have time to research. We've, like, seen maybe half the movies, like, before. I feel like that might be your average. It's definitely not mine. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm... Making more with less. That's our new bumper sticker, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But you have to tape it to your bumper yourself. It's just a piece of paper that I wrote it on in Sharpie. Yeah, we can't afford adhesive. We have no budget. Right. We're making more (laughs) with less. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The whole, did you forget what the bumper sticker was already? (laughs) So, this is week three of Lovin' with Lerman. Yeah, this is bonus uh, Lovin' with Lerman because... um, we pre-recorded the Love and Lerman because uh, we. You had don't some... owe them an explanation. No, we had, we had some <laughs> obligations. We wanted to make sure that we had episodes in the can enough to to cover February. But because we had watched those back to back, and we we mentioned uh, Australia on one of the episodes. Um, yeah. And then I saw it at Philly AIDS Thrift. Yeah. Um, Which, if you're local, go there. Yes. Um, and it cost me three whole dollar dues. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
yeah, we decided to to do one more uh, bonus Love and Lerman because we love you all for listening so much. Um, we're doing Boz Lerman's 2008 feature film, Australia. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do real broad strokes. It feels like Boz jammed two movies together to make this thing yeah. to me. And also the length is about two movies pasted together because well, it's two hours and 45 minutes, which is... Average now for... Well, it's average now, yeah. Because we're heading into a very dark time in film. Yeah. In that, to justify how exorbitantly expensive everything is, movies have to get longer and bigger and yada yada. You could just make them shorter and less expensive and stop making them all special effects, jerk off, you know, big tent pole things and, you know, spend reasonable budgets to make reasonable length films that don't require like you to make seat. Speaking of Kumail Nanjiani, make CGI people. We just watched that Eternals and I was like, hey, where's his like shirtless scenes where he shows off his rock and bod that he had to get and do. And I was like, oh, it doesn't they don't exist really. Yeah. And every time he's doing any superhero shit, it's like all CG nonsense. Mm -hmm. And you can't really see it anyway. And it's just like he could have done that in his normal body. It would have been fine. He would look like a normal dude. Yeah. I just, it's all crazy. It's all stupid, expensive, and crazy. But to justify how expensive and crazy and stupid it is, they have to keep making them longer. So you're not paying, you know, $12 a ticket or whatever for an hour and a half movie. You're like, well, that's way too much. But then when you say, oh, it's almost three hours, you go, well, that's that's pretty good. It's a better average. Yeah. Um, and that's all stupid and sucks. And I mean, like, you know, part of this is that I'm old and I can't sit in a room for three hours and not go pee ever. But I'm paying to be here and I can't pause it at, you know, at a theater. So, like, I hate the fact that films are getting that long. Mm-hmm. I've... That's why I, there, there's a I website that's uh, like, it's called yourmoviepeebreak.com or something. Oh, telling you what scenes are dead weight that you can actually go during. That actually is very helpful. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. In no, fact, I've... if you're if you're planning on watching The Eternals, even in your own home, but you don't want to break up the flow and ruin the rhythm, once you see all the, I'm just going to say it because once you get to this point, you'll understand what all this means. Once the deviants leave the frozen lake and go into the cave, you can go pee. That scene doesn't make any sense and serves no purpose. I don't know if I've talked about it on here. I've definitely talked about this with you. I'm of the camp that we should absolutely be bringing back intermissions if we're going to be doing three-hour movies. Oh, I think once a movie crosses the two-hour mark, Mm -hmm. I think we should be considering an intermission. Yeah. You don't have to get up and go anywhere during that time, but you can. Yeah, stretch your legs even. You know, get a smoke break if you choose to do so. Yeah, or a vape break if you're young and hip. Yeah. Um, refill your popcorn, which, you know, I, I think theaters would want you to spend more money at concessions, but that's just me. Maybe. Who knows? The business you know? doesn't run in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, this is two hours and 45 minutes, which I think is too long. It's it's long, especially for this, this movie, because it doesn't yeah. need all the stuff in it. Yeah. When it came out, um, Brian Bierman and I saw Django, uh, Django Unchained in theaters and that's very long that was like uh the last 20 minutes i was like this has to end soon because i will have to leave and pee and i know i'll just miss the very end yeah was that two don't know two something too long okay yeah and there was the only scene that i could tell you like definitely could have gotten cut is there's like a a comedy scene um with like the first klu klux klan talking about how they can't really see with the with the sheets over their heads and um you know one of them i think is played by 
Jonah Hill is like, why, well, you know, my wife cut eye holes in mine. And they're like, oh, well, she cut eye holes in mine. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah just give it to me. Like, uh, give it to me later. And like, it's just like really funny and stupid. You could cut it. It doesn't affect the plot really at all. But it is very funny. That's the one scene that you could cut, but then you don't want to lose that. Yeah, I was yeah. also like, it's not useless. It just doesn't serve the right. plot. This definitely has a couple of scenes that are not super well, necessary. I think or a lot of the, I some think... sequences that could be trimmed down and you wouldn't be losing much in terms of like... Because I think a lot of like the, the fuffering too is done for aura or, you know, like mood. Kids call it vibe these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a lot. There are a lot of choices, I think, done for vibe. That maybe didn't have to be, yeah, again, some cuts here, some cuts there. Suddenly it's, you know, five minutes shorter, yeah, 10 I mean, minutes shorter. You there's know? a lot. Of, there's a lot in here that doesn't need to be here. Yeah. And I understand why some of it is. But as the movie is presented, something needs to go. And it's either 80% of it or 20% of it. Yeah. Up to you. So, broad strokes, this movie takes. Good day, excellent humans. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to another Hate Watch Great Watch. I'm Hunter. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Bush. And I'm Allison. Uh, drop bears are real. You coolest. <laughs> Beware the drop bears. You coolest. Good. Yeah. There was a sin- sincere lack of drop bears in this film that I think was a missed opportunity. That's probably <laughs> the one thing I would add. Agree. Um, <laughs> put a, oh, put a pin in it. Can you write like drop bears and circle it so we know to come back to it at the end of the episode? Because I do have a thing for that. Okay. But we should discuss the film first. She's writing it. You told me to. I'm just telling the audience. I'm going to take a photo of the worst I've ever seen in my life. It looks like you tried to draw Australia from memory. (laughs) Ooh, we should do that. Yeah, I have like a vague idea of the shape of Australia. So I think when the episode's over, we'll both not look at any reference material. We will both. It's like if the Batman symbol was fat. Sure. (laughs) I'll let you go with that. <laughs> we'll try to draw Australia from memory, and then I will post those photos uh, oh, God. On, on social media. Fucking embarrassing. <laughs> what? Like, who gives a shit? I can't even draw America from memory exactly. I just yeah. have a vague idea. Like, you're not going to get all the little divots and con- yeah. concaves and whatever. Yeah. Like, no one can. Who cares? All right. I could draw whatever the square estate is. I could do that one. Nevada? I could do that. I thought it was Wyoming. Sure. Yeah. So now Allison's going to walk us through the plot. Of Australia. She's going to be our outback guide. 2008. Oh, my God. (laughs) (sighs) Boy. I haven't actually been, you know. No. Why would everything you've ever said about Australia is negative? Except for your friend is from there. So here's the thing. is a lot of... (laughs) A lot of stuff about Australia is absolutely terrifying. Like, it's home to a lot of, like, the most poisonous things on the planet. Yes. All the most poisonous things come from Australia. A lot of the the environment really wants to kill you. It's it's naturally inhospitable. Yeah. I don't know. Bloomin' Onions are from there. I guess that's a thing people like. I'm not a big fan. Oh, because of... (laughs) (laughs) Is that not a native delicacy? (laughs) Yeah, you pick them right off the bushes. (laughs) <laughs> Snap them right off while you ride your kangaroo across the outback. Oh my god! Oh, Somewhere, boy. oosh, quiet in the distance. In the distance, you hear. Is it men without hats? Oh my god! <laughs> is that, is that, is that song? I come from a land down under. Yeah, is that men without hats? I think so. 
Who did who did Safety Dance? Is that Men Without Hats? That is Men Without Hats. Are they the same band? Wait, did they do both? So- no, that can't Wait. be right. All right, what are you looking at? Well, you. I mean, what are you? What are you doing? You googling Men Without Hats? Uh, no, it's just I, gonna go to your favorite porn no. folder. Oh my god, no! I just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was gonna Google one of the songs while you Google the other one of the songs. Is it Men at Work? It's Men at Work. It's the oh. other men band. Am I right? Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, my bad. Close. I was close. You were close. Right. The difference is that when you're at work, you need to be you wearing need to wear a, a hat, safety generally. hat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Men so, without hats had to do a safety dance, so they knew that they needed to put their hats on before they went back to work. Yeah, I think the safety dance was just like I get out of bed and then I get dressed and I brush my teeth and then on my way out, I remember to do I remember to move this wise so I can grab my hard hat. That's the dance. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. look at your hands. Yeah. They're Make empty because sh- you didn't grab your hat. Yeah. <laughs> now you can't go to work. <laughs> wow, Allison loves this joke. No, this is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta cut it all out. That's this is my favorite part so far. <laughs> this should be the episode. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh all right. boy. All right, everybody, look at your hands. Oh, it's boy. time for Allison to walk us through. Okay, so basically this whole thing is, it's set in 1939 between the First and Second World War. It incorporates the Stolen Generations, which is basically like a government-sanctioned... Can I read the opening crawl? Yes, that would be great. All right. After the bombing of Pearl Harbor on the 7th of December 1941, the Imperial Japanese Navy steamed south, unleashing their fire on Darwin, a city in the Northern Territory of Australia. The territory was a land of crocodiles, cattle barons, and warrior chiefs where adventure and romance was a way of life. It was also a place where aboriginal children of mixed race were taken by force from their families and trained for service in white society. These children became known as the Stolen Generations. That's the opening crawl that opens this movie. Yeah. You know, and I mean, like, it's it's somewhat similar to what was done to native populations in the United States where, you know, a lot of... Children were sent to schools to learn how to act to, white. Yeah, whatever. Westernize them, yeah. whatever the terminology pretty, of, pretty much. of the area was. Yeah, and the idea with with this was that uh, they were going to take uh, mixed race children and eventually, like, marry them into white society because in a few generations, then you'd sort of be breeding out Aboriginal blood. Right. So, which we can all agree is worse than movies getting longer. Yeah. So, I mean, the two main, like, acts of this movie, one is, like, before the Pearl Harbor bombing, and then one is after. And the pre-bombing stuff is basically that uh, Sarah Ashley, played by Nicole Kidman, has come to Australia because her husband was running a cattle farm, and she wanted him to come home and sell the land off, and he wasn't doing it fast enough, and so she came to collect him, basically. And uh, while she was en route, he had died. Was Under murdered. mysterious right, circumstances. Right, was murdered. There's a whole thing with that that we'll get into more thoroughly. She finds out that the family that has like kind of a stranglehold on the cattle business, led by a guy that they call King Carney. I was wondering, is that his name, you think? No, I don't think so. I think it's like a nickname. Yeah, I assumed that. I also, you know, We also part- don't get Drover's <laughs> actual name ever. No, he's, he's just, just the drover. Yeah, yeah. I was just curious because I was like, because there's the Aboriginal 
a man named King George. Yeah. And then you have the bad guy who's King Carney. And I was just like, I wonder if that's a name. I wonder if that's his name. I didn't think so. And also, he's only really the bad guy in part one, because then the part two bad guy is Fletcher. Yeah, Neil, Neil Fletcher. Neil Fletcher instead. Uh, Neil um, Fletcher, played by David Wenham, um, mm-hmm. who's good good in this. Yeah. Nicely, um, kind of that kind of uh, craven, despicable mixture that just like cowardly and deceitful and manipulative, and you just want to strangle him like in every scene for kind of different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah finds out that Carney's guys have been taking her and her husband's cattle, like any of the unbranded ones, and basically like stealing from them uh, with the help of Fletcher. So she fires him because he was originally working for. So the land that her her husband was was supposedly like, you know, trying to, you know, turn into a profitable cattle thing um, was far away downs. And Fletcher was working for them. He was on the payroll, but he was secretly shuttling unbranded cattle across the river on a carny land where then he would brand them and he would have all this extra cattle that he didn't pay for that is just all profit yep. the accountant for the for faraway downs kipling flynn played by jack thompson uh he had cooked the books knowing full well like because he keeps track of like we spent this much on this many heads of cattle and then we only have this many heads that's different but fletcher was paying him He's a lush, uh, he's a drunk, so he's paying him to keep quiet and keeping him, you know, stocked with booze. Um, poor fella rum. Poor fella, yeah. Mm-hmm. To keep the uh, the cooked books, you know, available while also still keeping track of, like, the real amounts so they would know how much Carney was making and all yeah. that. Yeah. It also was helping to convince uh, Lord Ashley that the uh, ranch wasn't doing well. Yeah. So to give him an incentive to sell to Carney, so then Carney could, uh, own all the land. Yeah. Basically have a monopoly because world war two is looming. This could be extremely lucrative because soldiers need beef rations. And Sarah Ashley finds out about all of this and decides that, you know, fuck Carney and fuck Fletcher and fuck everybody. And she's going to drive the cattle to Darwin herself. Uh, and she enlists the help of Drover. Yeah, who... the only, she finds out the only way that her defiant, like, the only, yeah, she she fires Fletcher and she is, you know, defiantly not going to sell the land to Carney because, like, he's been swindling her. And as far as she knows, she doesn't even know her husband was murdered yet, but her husband died working this land that he was swindling them, you know, from them. So she's even, you know, she's mad at him. So she's like, well, and I think it's Kipling says, like, the only way you could possibly you know, turn this around is to drove the cattle yourself and sell them and make some money, you know, whatever. Yeah. So Drover basically was the one who escorted her from Darwin to far away downs. He is um, a, uh, he's uh, like a freelance, like cowboy. Basically. Yes, he is a cowboy. This is yeah. a Western, but I mean like, yeah. So he specifically isn't tied to one ranch. No, he no. He makes a point. Is, yeah, yeah. He makes a point of saying he's freelance. So yeah. And so when Fletcher is fired and he's like, well, I'm taking all my guys with me. Drover's not part of his guys. Right. So yeah, he's on anybody's payroll. Yeah. So also to be a dick on his way out, Fletcher lets all the cows go. Yeah. And, you know, so Drover brings him back and he's like, Hey, what the fuck happened? Where's Fletcher and stuff? And she's like, I fired him. We have to do this ourselves. And you know, it's that whole thing of grabbing a ragtag band. Yeah. It becomes city slickers for like 25 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, where it's like, who's going to drive the cattle? You guys. Yeah. It's that. Um, and it's, uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, the young boy named Nulla. What? Like three of the like 
house staff, like the cook and the um, housekeeper, and I think somebody else, and then Drover and uh, Magari, which is uh, David Gumbajara, mm-hmm. I think is how you say that. And so, you know, and, and uh, Kipling. So it's basically everybody that still works for Faraway Downs. Um, and it is like the bare minimum of people that the drover says you would need to move this amount of cattle on this run. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you need, he's like, I need at least seven guys. Mm-hmm. And they have like six and a third or something. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, uh, Nala is a child, like a yeah. straight up kid. Yeah. He's supposed to be like 10. <laughs> yeah. So just to give context for everybody. So it's very like, oh boy, can this ragtag group of, you know, so-and-sos really rustle all this cattle? Yeah. Yeah. On the drive, Drover and Sarah fall in love, and uh, Fletcher and some of his dudes, like, set a fire to spook the cattle and stuff. They're also poisoning water holes uh, during the drive and stuff to try and make it just as inhospitable as possible. Um, Flynn's killed. Yes, Flynn gets uh, stampeded. Yeah. You know, they're not making good time, and they end up going through the Never Never, which is basically desert. And the only way that they're able to make it is that King George shows up to help them through. So it's all desert, but apparently the Never Never is such a vast expanse of desert that there are no landmarks. Yeah. So it's very easy to lose your way. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's no like, oh, well, that mountain range or that river, that tree. Like, there's nothing for so long that it's very easy to get lost. It's flat and sandy and dry and terrible, and uh, a lot of people die trying to go through it. because of the poison water holes, um, traveling three days that way is the, you know, nearest and most accessible water. Yeah. So. They go through. They make it to Darwin. There's, like, a whole, um... Oh, I, I think I said yeah um it's like musical chairs with beef where <laughs> they're trying to block uh carney uh from like making his deal with the military of oh, the by race on their, the wharf by, by getting their cows on the uh ship first yeah um it's also kind of like uh, that one episode of king of the hill where <laughs> uh peggy <laughs> does a cattle drive down main street because they're yeah uh, it kind of is like that yes yeah because they're blocked by uh you know, one of their neighbors not letting them use their land. Yeah, isn't he voiced by uh, Henry Winkler? Yeah. 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 Is he, wait, is he playing Henry Winkler? I think so. But yeah, so, yeah, they're driving cattle up yeah, the for, wharf. For the audience there, the cattle that Carney had brought in are all penned in, and they just haven't opened the chute to let them, like, go down the wharf, which is, like, cordoned off yeah. onto the boat. Um, it's like on a highway where you yeah. have a carpool lane and you're right. not allowed to use it unless you're a carpool. Right. And um, Carney is trying to negotiate for like a better price per head. Yeah. And um, when the lady shows up, that's they refer to her half yeah. the time as the lady, but Sarah, when she shows up, um, she's like, well, I'll take, you know, slightly less than he's asking for. 25% and, less. Yeah. And the guy, you know, the, the guy who's shipping is like sold. And he's like, if you can get all your, you know, cattle on the boat, you know. You're good to go. And so they just ride right up the wharf, you know, the yep. pedestrian side. Yep. Um, and so it becomes like a race to see who can get their cows on this boat, which is like a very cool and unusual, like, semi-climactic um, yeah. action sequence. Yep. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, they win, and it feels like it's going to be the end of the movie, and it's not. It, it kind of should so be. much longer. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said, like, it's semi-climactic, because, like, uh, and, like, a better movie, a tighter movie, a movie that had this focus, that would be a great finale. Yeah. Because it is fun, it is unusual, it's memorable. Mm-hmm. And if you shot it right and built it up the right way, it would 
really stick with you and really land, you know. And then they have the ball. Yeah, there's like a dance, um, which I think is supposed to be supporting the island that they end up sending all the kids to. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was like Mission Children. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, I didn't put together. Yeah. Carney's trying to get her to sell. And... He's trying to do that like Bond villain thing of like, I'm charming, but I'm also going to make a land grab. Yeah, and you know, she's trying to get Drover to like agree to stay on with her because she can't run it by herself and, you know, and needs staff. And people that know the land. And Plus, everything. she loves him. Right. And he's trying to say no because he doesn't want to be tied down. And the only reason he agreed to do this was a whole thing where he wanted her horse. Yeah, yeah. For breeding. Yeah, there's so. some uh, on, some fun entendre. Yeah. About one of those untrained outback stallions. What are they called? Brambies. Was it? Brambies? Brambies. Something about, yeah. Bram- always wanted Brambies. to breed a Bramby with a, you know thoroughbred english thoroughbred philly whatever and he's like staring her dead in the eyes and you're just like this is good this is good entendre (laughs) there is so much of hugh jackman being uh like shirtless or in slow motion he like he's the most casually masculine man it's really ridiculous because like you know usually like oh yeah there's like you know hot ladies and stuff like that right. he's he's who you're here for yeah yeah there's no way. there's no like, cheesecake it's all beefcake no i know movie, it's really funny which i'm 100 percent on and it is like so steamy yeah but like he's the most casually masculine man like maybe like ever he's up there just like everything he does looks like the goddamn like a, you know an illustration in like uh, uh, an adventure serial from the 20s. Just, like, the way he stands. And, like, he's putting a bunch of, like, things, situations in this movie that are straight out of, like, adventure serials. Like, he's on a ship. He's, you know, dro- droving cattle. He's helping build a barn. He's, you know, washing off shirtless by the campfire. Like, all this shit. Like, it's all very, like, oh, this is this make a good cover illustration for the new issue. And, he yeah, he's just fucking all beefcake, man. Mm-hmm. God damn. Yeah. Him rinsing off... Yeah. Uh, by the that's that wasn't a random example. He like is all soaped up. Uh, they're they're they've stopped on their cattle drive for the night. Um, oh, it's not even the cattle drive. It's he's oh, taking it's taking her too too to, far away so down initially. The very yeah. first time, yeah. And so they're stopped for the night, and she's like, you know, she pokes her head out. She's like, Mister Drover, there's only one tent, and he she looks out, and he is like covered in soap, and just like pouring a bucket of water over him, himself, and like the pose he's in to do it is yeah. like you, do you remember in the one um, well, i saw arnold do it the one time for uh his mr universe yeah. pageant it's it's <laughs> well, like that it's that flex yeah. pose <laughs> but it's the same it's basically the same pose as remember when captain america grabs onto the helicopter oh <laughs> <laughs> on, on the fucking roof in that one avengers is yeah it? yeah no i think it's civil war it's one of those yeah but he does and then he like swaps his grip so like one hand is up and one is down i was like it's exactly that it's like it is it's a mr universe fucking bodybuilder pose mm-hmm. and you can see all these wet rippling muscles in Hugh Jackman's back and i was like i'm fine with yeah, this as the bubbles just trail down yeah yep. into his i guess sopping wet pants which has to be <laughs> part of the fantasy i suppose <laughs> Because I was like, is he naked? Is it, I was like, is it just like, yeah. no, you know. Got, he's got trousers on. No, there. and then it cuts to yeah. the far away. And I'm like, oh, he's wearing trousers, which are now full of soap. <laughs> Wet, soapy pants. What a weird fetish that I guess Boz Lerman has. I don't know. And I guess all of us do now as well. We caught sure. it. Yeah. 
This is how you catch a fetish, guys. Uh, and I mean, like, it's, you know, by the firelight and everything like that, so even the lighting's real, like, oh, yeah. warm. Yeah, and but then uh, the point of that scene is that he fucks with her where she's like, there's only one tent, like, how are we... And he was like, well, it gets pretty cold out here. And then, uh, you know, Magari and the other guy are like, oh, oh, and they're like yeah. rubbing their shoulders like, oh, it's so chilly. <laughs> Implying that they're all going to have to cram into the tent together, which she's like would be horribly uncivilized. Now, she doesn't, she's very hoity-toity when she shows up. Everybody in this is some kind of cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all, which is like, we can talk more about that, but she's very like hoity-toity, stiff, you know, like stiff pinkies and, you know, that kind of thing when she first shows up and then she becomes like, uh, a working woman and then like a normal person <laughs> she has to stop being fancy pants and uh, become like oh okay i work for a living um that's her arc mm-hmm. yeah there's Walk also a lot of slow motion hugh jackman yeah, including yeah. the you know driving the cow up the wharf scene yeah has him you know there's a lot of slow motion in general yeah um, but i mean a lot of it is him being on a horse or yeah. you know and her on a horse like that's whenever yeah. there's I think it has to, I don't, I was going to save this for the end, so okay. do you want to come back to it, or? Okay, all right. All right, well, okay. I just want to finish the, the walkthrough. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, um, yeah, they're at the ball, and. Uh, Drover cleans up nice. Yeah, Drover ends up, like, coming back and being like, okay, I will help you, and yeah. you don't have and to sell. And he's, like, that. shaved and in a nice yep. suit. One of yep. those uh, white tuxedo top, you know? Yeah. Jacket, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good look. Yeah, it is. Like uh, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, so then they they kiss, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know some time passes, and they they've they've become domesticated, and they have this you know uh, relationship where he's still the drover, he still you know goes out, droves cattle, he's away for X amount of time, and he comes back, but when he's back, he's there, and Nala lives with them, and he's their you know surrogate child. Oh yeah, I didn't mention his mother's dead because basically because. Which is- Uh, because Nella's father was white and his mother was not, you know, he's one of the kids they're trying to round up. And so he's used to hiding when he sees anybody that looks like cops come. Yeah. Um, and so they're hiding in a water tank and they're like ladder they were hanging on to breaks and his mother drowns and. Yeah. I have some questions about that whole scene. I just don't understand how that water tank works. Me either. Yeah. It's weird. We'll talk about it. So, um. Nala now has reached an age where he wants to go and walk about, which is like how he becomes a man. Um, is how he, you know, how he, what he says, mm-hmm. and uh, he runs up by Drover, and Drover's like, "You got to talk to, you know, they call her Mrs. Boss," and you know, he's like, "You have to talk to Mrs. Boss about that," and he doesn't. He just kind of gets the call from his uh, grandfather, who is King George, the Aboriginal man, um, who for half the movie I was like, "Can other people see him?" <laughs> Because sometimes I thought they could, and then sometimes I was sure they couldn't. And I was well, like, is he, is it like a, he's, you know, not like a twist, but is he, he doesn't exist in our reality. Like he only exists in like the, the, I don't know. Like, you know, like, yeah. like racial memory or something. Like I was no, like, I'm not I sure. Mean, or I was like, or is he a metaphor for his, uh, for Nulla's connection to his Aboriginal side and his, yeah. you know. And I was like, oh, this is, it's weird. Cause yeah, sometimes I was like, oh, I think people can see him. And then I was like, oh no, they definitely can't. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, he's. And at the end, he's definitely tangible. <laughs> well, he's, he's real. I mean, also when, when we find out that, uh, you know, yeah. Lord Ashley is dead, they say like, oh, yeah. we think he was killed by King George. Well, that's the thing is then they, when, then they started being like, well, we're looking for him. And I'm like, okay. So what I think. He seems to have been around a lot and he's always well, just like 
over there on that roof and nobody can see him. And it's like, I would definitely notice a man on a roof in this small town. Yeah, I mean, there's also a bit of like sort of like mysticism. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sort of magic realism. Thing yeah. Of, yeah, and I, but it's it's fun, but it, it kept me being like, so wait, what? Yeah, Nella talks about how like his grandfather taught him how to sing to things and yeah. that it gives him powers and stuff. He's got magic. There is like a, a you know thing between him and Sarah where he's like, you know, oh, I'll sing you to me. And she says, you know, and I will hear you a right. couple of times. So uh, he wants to go and walk about because uh, his grandfather has told him it's time. Mm-hmm. And he does. And he gets captured by the sheriff. Yeah. They also capture King George. Yeah. And Nella gets sent to the like mission island, which is, you know, just off the coast there. And uh, King George gets also taken to the island, but locked in a cell. Yeah. But it's like a, yeah, it's a mission for, for orphans, kind yeah. of. Because they, they've been stolen away from their parents. Um, Sarah gets into a fight with Drover about Nulla going on walkabout. So Drover leaves in kind of a huff. Boy, that scene is so we- weird. Because they, they, they're having this argument, which is supposed to be very serious. It's, yeah. you know, because they're about to, like, kind of break up. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be very serious, but they're using, like, these Australian terms a lot, like, too much, mm-hmm. where <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, you just keep using this word to try and make it seem, like, casual, but you're overdoing it, because they just keep being like, well, who wants to go and walk about? <laughs> and like, <laughs> well, I think it was also supposed to, like, impress that she doesn't have a good understanding about why that's important. Yeah, but I just, it was one of those things where they just kept and, using the same well, word, like... And so, like, he's saying a thing that, like, he thinks should be the end of the discussion, and she's not picking up on why it is, because for for him, it's like, oh, yeah, obviously, like, why would you even yeah. deny him that? Like, Yeah, you know. it, it's it's just such a weird, the tone of it is weird, yeah. and, and just, like, because the movie, I mean, it's full of Australian colloquialisms and language and things. Mm-hmm. But like her husband was killed in the billabong. Yeah, they they talk about billabong all the time, and I was like, they went to a skate shop or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what billabong is. It's like surfwear. I don't know. Yeah, it's a brand. I just yeah. But anyway. But it's also a little swampy bend in a river. Yeah, that stuff is all through the movie, but it seems way more natural in most scenes. In this one, it just felt like it was already written, and then like you know, it was like plug in Australian things here. Okay. Because it was just yeah. like it's going to walkabout. She's like. She's like, what's the big deal about walkabout? And he's like, oh, crikey. Like, it was just like, <laughs> it was like really silly. And I, I was like, no, I was like, this scene is weird. There's something about the tone of it that it didn't feel natural. Okay. So Fletcher, Neil Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, before all the, the walkabout business happens, he comes by basically being like, oh, yeah. Because so we kind of did like a, you know, oh, it's two years later. Kind yeah. Of that like, time passes thing. They they do a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which, which I think also makes the film feel a little disjointed. Is, yes. And unbalanced. You know, right. But so there's like Nola doing like kind of a voiceover talking about like, oh, Nola yeah. Nola narrates we, the film. Yeah. We moved. We moved to Faraway Downs. And, you know, this is how we know about like Drover and uh, Sarah's relationship is because he's telling us about it. Yeah. While we also see newspaper clippings about. Um, so. People don't know this, but Fletcher kills King Carney. Yeah. Uh, by feeding him to gators in the same billabong. I think that it turns out he killed it's his, Lord His uh, murder billabong. Ashley. Yeah. So he killed Lord Ashley, but used a spear to make it look like King George did. Yeah, and there's and a whole then, thing about how it's the wrong kind of spear. Yeah. And then um, he kills yeah. 
King Carney by feeding him to a crocodile and then marrying his daughter so that he can inherit Carney's beef empire. And now he's the new king. Man, what a crazy, what a crazy sentence. But yes. <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right. Upward mobility through murder and marriage. Yeah, so he, he's he's killed a couple people and he, he like implies to Sarah that he killed her husband. He's also Nulla's biological father. Although, you know, that's all kind of like hearsay, but it's true. But he doesn't know that she knows that. Right. So. Yeah, and so he's just, he's trying to get her to sell her, her land to him. Yeah, he's trying everything. to strong arm her. And... Um, and yeah, and so then Nulla's captured with his grandfather and uh, she ends up finding out about that and going to Darwin to kind of like chase after him. He's being taken to Mission Island, uh, Nulla. Yeah. Taken to Mission Island and stuff. This all kind of happens while uh, Japan has entered the Second World War. Yeah, there's a, like, a little bit of a time jump. Yes. And then, yeah. Yeah. So after a few months, she has agreed to sell the land to Fletcher. She's working as a radio operator, as is Fletcher's wife. Yeah, because it's wartime, so yeah. everybody is yeah. And basically, in. like yeah, she's she's kind of trading the land to get Nulla back. Yeah, because now that Fletcher has inherited King Car- King Carney is literally like king shit of Darwin. So since Fletcher ha- Fletcher has inherited that position, he has the kind of pull that you know where he's like, oh, I could get your son back for you. Yeah. So because he's in with the you know sheriff and blah 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 blah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't actually happened because uh there is a bombing yeah the japanese bomb darwin uh, and mission island and mission because island, yeah. it has uh, a radio tower on it yep they were kind of being used as like a like lookout outpost yeah. sort of um because it's off the mainland so the idea was that they could send early warning although then that didn't really <laughs> work it very does not, well because it does not appear to have panned yeah, out for them because yes. uh, darwin darwin gets the ship bombed out of it Sarah had swapped, you know, uh, shifts for the day so that she could go and, you know, meet Nulla. Like, uh, either she was supposed to take a boat to the Mission Island or he was supposed to get the boat back, whichever one, but it doesn't happen. But that means that um, she swapped with uh, uh, Fletcher's wife, Carney's, you know, daughter. So Carney's daughter died. I forget what her name is. But, yeah, she dies. Uh, it also begins with a C. Catherine. Catherine. Catherine Carney, they say it. The yeah. Ones. So she dies, um, and, you know, as as the city is picking itself up and, you know, assessing the damage and stuff, somebody's like, you know, comes to Fletcher and is like, I'm sorry, sir, you know, your wife. And he's like, my wife is dead. And he, he gives this whole, like... She's cost me everything, yeah, kind Yeah, this very, like... like you know, that bitch. Right, yeah. and he's like, well... And he says to, to the, to I don't know, a police officer or medic or whoever that tells him, he's like, did you know that, you know... Uh, Sarah, you know, traded shifts with my, made my wife take her shift today so she could go see her little half-breed son or whatever he says. And it's, and it's, you know, it's that thing of like, right, but she wouldn't have to do any of this if you hadn't made sure to get her son, uh, you know, arrested and shipped off to the mission island as a way of strong-arming her into giving you her land. Like, it's that logic, you know, thing where I believe he... He never thinks about any of that. No, no. It's She's just come here and started all this trouble. Like he, she fired him, right? Years By not, ago. yeah, yeah. She, right. Yep. And it's just that thing where again, it's just like he's not like Skeletor or some, you know. He's just like such a whiny little prick. Yeah. In every scene, and you know, sometimes he has the upper hand most of the time. Yeah. How dare you serve me my comeuppance? Right, and it's just like oh, you just want to strangle him. It's a very good performance. Yeah. 
It's very despicable. Yeah. Um, Drover was out somewhere with uh, his brother-in-law. Maggery. Maggery, yep. Uh, and they're kind of having a heart-to-heart and everything. And, you know, there there is a whole thing about how, like, Drover used to be married to an Aboriginal woman and she died of TB because they it's... wouldn't, like, treat her at yeah, any they of didn't... the hospitals because yeah, they, yeah. she wasn't white. And so that was real fucked up. Um, but so, They yeah. sort of piecemeal this backstory out throughout the movie in a yeah. way that's, like, very effective because every time you get any more of his backstory you kind of figure like oh that's all they're going to give me and that's all that we need to shape you know his character mm-hmm. and then a little later they give you a little more and you're like oh that that you know that adds to it that changes things you're like oh it's, yeah. it's well done mm-hmm. you know Maggie's kind of like you know you're like real closed off for no reason <laughs> you know yeah because again Maggie it was you know drover's now deceased you know wife's brother um and he he says like He's like, you know, knowing you, you probably didn't even tell, uh, you know, Mrs. Boss that you love her. Yeah. So it's just like, I can't imagine what he was like, you know, before the tragic death of his wife. Yeah. So he's basically like, you know, eh, you fight and you get over it, you know. Yeah. Don't, like, don't let that wreck all your shit. So he comes back to, the both of them come back to Darwin to try and find her, but it's after the bombing has occurred. And so he thinks she's dead. But he finds out fueled, that, like... Fueled by this sorrow... He ends racism <laughs> in the town of Darwin. No, there's a whole thing about there's a bar that doesn't allow uh, women or non-whites inside. Yeah. Um, and uh, So we that... do a whole thing at the end of the cattle drive where she gets to have a drink. And then we do a whole thing after the bombing where uh, Maggie gets to come in and have a drink. And, like, this is all emblematic of us, you know, can't we all just get along, I guess. Right. And, like, like so... And I think that's the, <laughs> I mean, like you said, that that was a thing that... Oh, it bothered me. Um, well, no, you said that, that the racism aspect um, was a thing that Boz Lerman specifically wanted to address in oh, this yeah. movie, that that's like one of his main themes. Yeah. And I was like, cool, that is totally, that's a, it's a great theme. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you needed to use the war as a backdrop for it because, I mean, I understand like... It, you know, it is a backdrop for it because of that's the era. We talked about this before, you know, recording. But I also think, and this is my, this is the thing I was putting a pin in. I don't think Boz Lerman is good at directing big things. Big action. Or not even action. I Now thinking back to the Moulin Rouge, like the big elaborate like dance numbers, mm-hmm. I think are kind of not directed well. Mm-hmm. I think what he does is large scope things, but not large scale. Sure. I think he can, you know, I think he can shoot and frame the, like, destroyed city. Yeah. And make it, you know, impressive and, um, you know, uh, make it transmit a specific feeling. And and I think he's great at big, sweeping emotional moments. Yeah. But I don't think he's good at large events. So the choice to end this movie with a fucking, like, a war scene is so bad it's so messy it looks like uh you know it looks like you went and saw a play that ends with a war scene like all these you know it's all very small and it's just so weird and unbalanced um and there's some you know kind of wonky visuals in this which we'll talk about but like the the stuff at the end you know all the 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 bombing and it's just like i don't know it does not work for me yeah and then the whole rest of the movie is like in it and it also, like, I'm not saying it has to be dour, like, you know, 
you can have movies that are about or set during wartime that are not just, you know, miserable slogs and whatever. Like, you know, Great Escape is a movie that's not all miserable. It's fun sometimes, you know? Like, they're allowed to have fun. But the tone of the first two-thirds of this movie does not match with how serious the third act is. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's also true. And the fact that the first two-thirds of the movie are a, like, fable almost about... he In interviews, he said it's like a mythic version of Australia, a mythologized version. Mm -hmm. So it's this sort of fable, fairy tale thing. Um, There's a ton of allusions to the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Both in... Sarah, like, tries to use that song to sort of, like, calm Somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah. Uh, Right after his mother dies, and so then he likes music in general and yes. stuff and really enjoys that song and there's the whole thing of the aboriginal yeah. uh singing magic yeah you know theme thing so that also echoes that australia is the land of oz it is yes yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's an accident yeah like i think he chose that as that yeah um and like i think i remember hearing that that was um who wrote wizard of oz uh l frank bomb bomb yeah i think i heard that that was an inspiration for the name bomb uh I think it's L. Frank Baum. L. Frank Baum. Yeah. But I think I heard that that was an inspiration for the name. I thought... Was it, it not? Well, so it's it's a um, allegory about the, uh, like, whether or not the, the United States was going to unpeg the dollar from the gold standard. And so I thought that that was supposed to be ounce. Oh. Yeah. Everything you just said is crazy and I've never Wait, heard really? this. Wait, really? Yes. No, dude. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. All the all the unpegging no, I've ever heard is uh, <laughs> that failed. Yeah, it's uh... at the end of all the porno vids you watch. No, yes. um... no. I was gonna. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say it was that failed uh, fan petition to remove um, Katie Seagal from oh. Married with Children. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh boy. None of these are real. Um, no, but, all right, but seriously, you haven't. No, I never heard that. That's why it's the yellow brick road. That's why the shoes in the books are silver, not actually Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I never heard that as a thing. Yeah. Then why are there like 40 fucking Oz books? Because it was popular. (sighs) But none of them are about anything, is that? (laughs) I don't think so, no. Or at least not in the way that like the, the original like Wizard of Oz thing was about. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I never heard that as a, as a thing. Oh yeah. No, look into it. No. No, I'm good. I just imagine it was what L. Frank Baum thought uh, Australia was like. <laughs> um, but so in addition to Somewhere Over the Rainbow, there is um, a twister, kind of. Oh. They they reference a twister. Um, uh-huh. There's also a direct, like, v- visual and I, I think music. It's not quite, but um, nod to when Dorothy, like the storm, the twister that picks her up in Kansas and drops her in Oz. Okay, as a way of Neil trying to be like, look how inhospitable it is here. A fancy lady such as yourself wouldn't be able to even stand being out here. Leave everything to me. You head back to Darwin and, you know, we'll get this all sorted out and I never have to see you again and I can just do keep doing what I'm doing over here. And uh, part of that is that he says that the water pump doesn't work so they don't even have, you know, running water. And Nulla is climbing all over the thing and he, there's just like a... Like a, a a brace or a lock like uh, mechanism like put in it, so he just pulls that out, and now the water tower, 
which is connected to the water pump, and somehow all that is connected to the wind. Um, what do they call that? My brain's saying Ferris wheel. That's not right. Windmill. Windmill. Yeah. Um, yeah, the windmill on the farm. That's all connected somehow. So when he pulls the little lock block thing out, it starts spinning, and the shot of Nicole Kidman's face with the, the shadow of it like spinning yeah. across her face felt extremely right out of the beginning of The Wizard of Oz to me. And I think the music, it doesn't quite do the, you know, but it kind of gets that, like, a little bit. Like, it's, I think it's a reference to it. And the score definitely has Somewhere Over the Rainbow oh, woven in it, yeah, into it, it and throughout yeah. it. Um, I think there's more that I might have, I don't I didn't really write down, but uh, I know at the end of the movie, when, when all is said and done and they're all reunited, uh, you know, they're like, let's go home. And Drover goes, there's no place like it. Yeah, no, yeah, I did. I wrote that down. Too. Yeah, and like, you know, and I'm, that's fine. I, I think that's all well and good. I just think it's interesting. Which, again, also, that's not even the end of the movie. <laughs> no, it, it's basically, there is, I, I would consider that the end, and then after that, a footnote. Okay. But, like, really, if I'm being critical, and I am, the last third of the movie is a footnote. Like, yeah. the bombing of Darwin. Darwin, it comes out of nowhere, like, as a plot point. Except for the fact that the opening crawl mentions Pearl Harbor. Yeah. There's very little talk about the war until that third act. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, like, that's why the, the cattle drive was so important, was that they had a big military contract. Yeah. So there's a little bit of it, and... Yeah, but, that, I mean, that's a detail that's easy to miss. That's true. Yeah. Yeah the third act of this movie feels really unsatisfying after the first two felt really satisfying. Yeah. Okay. So, um, after the bombing, Drover and Marguerite are at the bar and they find out that nobody has evacuated the Island. So they say like, Oh, everybody's probably dead there because otherwise they would have radioed. And the Drover's like, well, I got to try. So they get a boat. Yeah. And they boat out to the Island and they rescue the kids, and they free uh, King George, but the Japanese are also well, coming to check the island. No, King George wasn't on the island. King George, was... No, King George was in Darwin. Part oh, he's of, locked in a part, cell in yeah, Darwin? Yeah, part of his cell got bombed out that he was able to walk right out the back. Oh, I thought that I thought it was part of the island. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. no, he's, he's on the mainland. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but... So the Japanese show up on the far side of the beach and, you know, they're, they're investigating the, the remains of the village, you know, on the, on the, on the island. And, um, they, you know, they get all the kids and they wade out like to the end of the dock, but they won't be able to swim out to the ship, um, without attracting the attention of the soldiers. So Maggory heads back to cause a distraction and he ends up getting killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then they, you know. They managed to boat back to Darwin. Yeah. And it's foggy and it's early morning and they're doing like the proper evacuation. It's foggy. I think it's just smoky from all smoky. the, yeah. you know, the still raging fires in places. Sure. Um, and I'm just, you know. Just painting it, a visual picture that yeah. visibility is poor. Yeah. And, and everybody in the town is evacuating south to where it's hopefully going to be safer. So they're loading up all these trucks with people and supplies and, uh, you know. Sarah's. Sarah's getting on one of the trucks and then here's Nella start to play Summer, Summer of the Rainbow, Rainbow on uh, uh, Kipling's uh, harmonica. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like, oh, wait, do you hear that? And, you know, she runs the harbor. And, and then weirdly, 
I, weirdly, and a thing I can only excuse as this is a Boz Lerman movie. Yeah. Um, the like uh, pastor. Or, I think it's Brother Frank. Yeah. I want to say. Um, who's for, yeah, yeah the only adult that was still on the island on the island with the kids yeah he's like oh well we can all sing along to this song kids so this this boys choir of you know multiracial uh australian orphans are all like uh, and they start harmonizing and it's it's great but it's so weird yeah (laughs) so like a crazy thing to do yeah um and it's it's yeah. genuinely very good. It sounds great, but it's so strange in the moment when he starts getting the kids to do it. I was yeah. like, "Wow!" Um, so Nola runs to Sarah, and she's like, "Oh my God, how are you here?" And he's like, "The drover yeah. brought us." Yeah. And so then everybody's reunited and everything, and right. you know, let's go home. There's no place like it. Uh, and then Nola goes on a walkabout, and they actually split up the whole. You know, he's like, "You know, I'll sing you to me." And then King George has several lines talking about like, you know, oh, I, I'm, I'm taking him out into our country and everything. And, yeah. And then he, t- he says, like, you've been on a great adventure, but now it's time to come to come home to yeah. our home, our country. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and then Nella says, and I will he- or no. And then she Sarah says, says Sarah yeah. says, and I will hear you. And I was just like, ugh, like, don't like that's that's your like call and response that you. Right, had created Built out through yeah. the movie, and you split it up for no reason. You split, really. split it up to ha- to to to, and not that there's anything wrong with this as a thing, but to put it there is weird. Yeah, but to to put the button on your pro Aboriginal stance, which I think the film is pretty obviously yeah. like pro. You know, I don't think you need to put that fine a button on it, but if you want to, in the middle of this, it's like literally if you spent the whole movie being like. See you later, alligator. And the other person goes, after a while, crocodile. But at the end of the movie, like literally the end, it goes, see you later, alligator. And then another character is like, and now we set off boats against the current. You know, like whatever. And then after a while, crocodile. You'd be like, wait, what? Why was there eight minutes in between where you didn't say anything? Yep. Um, It's weird as shit. Yeah. Uh, The thing you kind of skipped that I, I said to just move forward with. Is that uh, Neil Fletcher dies, uh, and it's great because <laughs> the whole movie you're just like, yeah, he's gonna get it, he's gonna yeah. get it, and you want everybody to beat him to death with rocks. Like that's you know the whole time you're like, you're like, oh, I hope he really gets it. There was a moment when the bombing happened where I was like, man, did he just blow up? I was like, because if he only blew oh, up, that it's sucks. Unsatisfying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, if you know, like it's fine if you blow him up, but you gotta set it up where like I know how bad it was. Yeah. Oh, crikey, look at look at Mr. Fletcher. And then it's just like him, just like dead on the toilet, mm-hmm. <laughs> badly singed. Yeah. Like maybe that would be satisfying. But um, so then he shows up. He's like, oh, okay, good. He's not dead, which means I get to watch him die, I hope. And uh, it's pretty satisfying um, yeah. when they all get back to like the town. Nulla is like running from, you know, like they're, they're walking in town. So he's walking with Sarah and he's like, drove her, drove her. And he starts running across like the square and uh, Neil, you know, sees him takes a rifle off a policeman and goes oh go tell the police chief that there's like looters everywhere and the guy's like what the f-? like he kind of looks around like what the fuck are you talking about and he's like go tell him and then he like sets up a shot you know and he's like tracking nulla across the square and he's going to shoot him and both sarah and the drover see it at the same time and uh you know drover runs out and you hear the gun and drover like dives at the kid and th- there's definitely a shot of the kid going uh 
Yeah. And I was like, wait, are they really going to shoot this fucking kid? And then I was like, oh, wait, maybe because it was it's edited with also at the same time King George does two things and only one of them matters. And that's weird to me. But so mm -hmm. he like pulls up part of the like burnt like uh, he's in like a water tower or something. Yeah, He's climbed up onto. Oh, I thought it was. I didn't make a note of this, so now I'm not sure. I it thought... might have been like a lookout tower or something. It was something well, like also, that. Also, we see uh, Carney's got a big building. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. It's on something, but he pulls up like a piece of wood off it that's like, you know, burnt and charred. And yeah. he just like, and he like looks at it for a second. And then it's all intercut. And, you know, it's like, oh, taking, you know, Neil taking aim and the drover realizing that Neil's taking aim. And then Sarah seeing the drover realize and then Sarah, you know, like all that. It's mm -hmm. all intercut. And then he, like, reaches back and just takes this, like, pipe off the side of the building. And he hurls it like a spear. And it goes through Neil at the same time as the bullet fires. So it's all intercut. So then I was like, oh, wait, did the drover get hit? Is the drover going to die? And he doesn't. And in fact, I guess no one did. Yeah. I guess the bullet just missed. Yeah. And it's weird that that is true. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to be like, oh, the kid got winged or something. Because I'm pretty sure there's blood on his shirt, too. In one of the shots, I was like, oh, because we watched this before we watched it again for this. I was like, oh, there's actually blood on his shirt. I didn't notice that the first time. Yeah. And I was like, maybe it's from the island, you know, the fucking explosion, like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I was like, it can be explained away, but I I feel like maybe it was like the kid was supposed to die or the drover or like we were supposed to see the blood and then there was going to be a shot of like where you realize it's not the kid's blood, it's the drover's and... I don't know. Either way, none of them die, and the bullet totally missed, I guess, which is kind of like... Yeah, but Fletcher gets, like, pinned like a bug on a yeah. corkboard. Yeah, like... and he, he dies, um, and well, it's great, because and... King George is, like, pointing at him, <laughs> and he's pointing at the WrestleMania sign <laughs> of, well, he's, of Neil. Well, he's also, he like, murdered. you know, like, like King George is like, yeah, that's your kid. He's like, that is your son, and he is my grandson. Yeah. And But he's like, but but also, I just killed you. Yeah. And now I'm going to WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then Neil, like, tilts over, like, dead, impaled on this thing. It's it's good. It's 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 decent. It's a decent, satisfying. It's gross. Death. It's very long. The, yeah, yeah, The pipe is very long. So yeah, but if you want to make impressive. it really gross, it should have had his blood uh, pouring yeah, out of it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Or him, like, sliding down it. Sliding yeah. slowly down it. <laughs> Ugh. And he should have been like, crikey. Yeah. Crikey indeed. <laughs> Ah, uh, boy. Um, yeah. So that's it. Yeah. That's the movie. Yeah. Which felt like, yeah, I think like he has the, you know, whole, uh, that's, it feels like there's just, there's two acts to this, which also makes it feel like it's an awkward structure. Structure. Yeah. And that everything in the beginning is in real time, you yeah. know, not real time, but it's, it's all in one continuous time frame. And then there's a two month jump. Well, there's a two-year two jump. Two-year jump, and, and then there's, there's a two-month two jump. jump. And it's just, it feels very disjointed. Yeah. The visual tone of the movie totally changes. Yes, um, that's true, too. I mean... Uh... And I mean, like, some of that is that, yes, the, the first two acts are driving cattle across a desert, and the set, and the third act is a bombed-out city. And I understand that, but, well, like, that is also a problem, is it not? So, like, I mean, like, it might be, like, a reversal of the Wizard of Oz thing, where we're going from a very colorful... That's, magical kind of thing to a very bleak and smoky kind of thing. That's interesting. Yeah. Also, I mean, like, another famous set in World War II children's property is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh -huh. where you have, you know, 
wartime London and they're getting sent to the countryside and then uh-huh. even further out they're going into this wardrobe into this magical land and everything. Uh-huh. And I mean the whole like winter into summer thing with that. Right, but... So there's a lot of usage of that visual but, language of the bleakness of war versus the sure. verdancy of peace. Yes, or you, you know. can just look at any movie and then any war movie. And they sure. generally, like, you know, generally the palettes are going to be noticeably different. Sure. Except for Pauly Shore's In the Army now, which is both. Sure, but so I I, I think it's, you know... No, no, I, I agree with I you, mean, but I also don't think it works. Yeah, I mean, also functionally, uh, the second half probably had a lot more computer generated effects and things and you keep so, saying second half i want to be clear you mean like second act like second act of the yeah because yeah. it's not half it's, it's not right it's okay. not in the middle of the movie yeah okay the, no i just for the listener the, like the latter part of it's the, the third film act it's yeah the bombing and stuff yeah it's the last like yeah. 50 minutes sure something like that of this okay. like yeah two yeah. hour and 40 minute movie yep. Yeah, there's definitely parts of this that are shot really nice, and there's parts of this oh, that aren't. Man. Like the the first two thirds, all the western kind of stuff set in Australia, a lot of it is really gorgeous. Yeah, there's great just cinematography, just photography, just you know in general. Yeah. Um. There's great sweeping camera movements. Mm-hmm. There's like interesting shot choices. We like use I, light and shadow very yeah. interestingly. We use color very interestingly. Yeah. Like it, it's a lot of it really works for me. And then even the water tank looks good oh yeah that okay let's talk about how i don't and... understand how the mother dies so so what... they they that's what happens is like whenever anybody comes you know the it's it's you know the then the uh uh you know mixed race aboriginal kid like hides in the they hide in the uh water tower so already they're in the water tower <laughs> it's like waist high yeah like with water um and somehow pumping water down on the ground, like, out of the pump, like, as though to fill a bucket. It's like the soldier, you know, the, the police guy is, like, you know, getting a drink or drink, you know, whatever. That somehow causes the tank to fill, like, all the way up? Yeah, I mean... I don't get that. So water towers in general are to feed water... And again, this is... I, I don't know specifically how this works. Yeah, I'm trying and I don't to, understand how it's connected to the windmill. To, I'm trying to talk through how this maybe is working, so bear right. with me. Yeah, water towers exist, and like cisterns and stuff like that. Prove it. Are... <laughs> <laughs> Prove it's my favorite thing to say whenever anybody says like a declarative statement. It's always funny. Yeah, but I mean, like they're they're put up high so that they're able to use gravity to pump water into areas. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you turn the tap on and yeah. water comes out of the, the water tower yeah. down into the tap. Now we see we see Nola go into there once before to hide and then goes in the second time with his mother and the second time is when it's filling, but that's also after he has fixed the windmill. Right. So I think there might be something where the windmill working helps to pump water maybe from an underground well up into the tower, tower and then down into the pumps on the because that was my thing is like I thought a, a pump like that when I say a pump like it's the kind where you pump the arm on the side of it yeah like, like that a lot of those were supposed to be themselves accessing drawing the up out of the, yeah right I, I don't know and I really don't understand how these three things are connected but they're shown to be through the yeah. language of the movie yep and I don't get it yeah because it doesn't start when... filling up until the guy starts pumping water yeah then then the uh, water tower starts filling up and that's and and the there's like a um, is there any there's like a rotted uh, or not rotted but like a rusty uh, ladder and they were hanging onto that and then that snaps so yeah, that's yeah. what really is there any parallel 
to to well, there's no parallel to Wizard of Oz with that, right? No, not no, at all. nothing like that. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I just don't understand. The f- so, if, listeners, if you understand how this uh, water system works, specifically this one in this movie, <laughs> like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not being like uh, facetious. Like, how is the windmill connected to the water tower? How are those connected to the pump? Why is the pump not drawing directly from uh, an underground source? Like, what? Ha- what is? There the- might not even. Well, no, I don't know. Where is the water coming from that's yeah. filling that's filling the water tower enough to drown that person? Like mm-hmm. I, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it would be different we, if we it was there, full. We know that there's also like a river in the area because that's where uh, yeah. her husband was was killed. Yeah, that's so. where the Billabong store opened up. Is that am I not right? <laughs> is that not right? Is that <laughs> not why they that, had all those cool sunglasses? It's actually a Quicksilver. It's a pack song. <laughs> Crocky, look at me gift card. <laughs> yeah, so I don't understand that. Um, there are some, like I said, everybody in the first two thirds of this movie is a caricature, and I don't say that in a negative way. This is, I think, supposed to be a fairy tale. It's supposed to be, like, it's it's drawing on Wizard of Oz. Um, I wanted to ask about this, the Never Never. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he first says, like, you know, when, uh, 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 when King George is like, "There's water," or Maybe it's Magary says like there's water this way. Yeah. Um, three days ride, and uh, Hugh Jackman, the the drover, says like that's Never Neverland, which of course is from Peter Pan, right? So Mike, well, Never Neverland, yeah, is right. Well, my question is, did J M Barry potentially get Never Never from like Australian slang? Like, is that a thing? Do you think that's a thing that is common to say in Australia? Like, oh, that's never, never, as in never, never go that way, which makes sense to me. And that sounds like a thing that people would totally say. I, you so, know. apparently, there was a book published in 1884 by Archibald William Sterling called The Never Never Land, A Ride North in Queensland. Oh. And then, subsequent to that, Barcroft Boak wrote a poem, Where the Dead Man Lie that uses the phrase never never so that is an area in the australian outback that is termed and that was that. before barry's what my question is is do you think that yeah never never as a phrase found its way to jm barry and then he used it or do you think that yeah. Boz lerman had hugh jackman say that's never never land as an allusion to uh peter pan um you know well, or is it both I mean, it, I'm just curious. It this could is... be, but so apparently, like, the Never Neverland was a phrase, right? Before, as early as 1884, Peter Pan was first um, published as a play in 1904. Okay, so yeah, that's so 20, 20 years. years later. Yeah, um, I don't know if that was inspired no, no. by. We can't this prove term. it. I'm yeah. just positing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I was curious. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've already name-checked a couple of different, you know, popular children's book classics or whatever. I'm just saying, yeah, because that's what I mean. Like, so everybody being a a caricature in this. Makes sense in terms of being character character archetypes for children's books. Right, because children's Mm -hmm. book characters don't need nuance. Yeah. Um, You know, that's fine. It's fine if they don't have it. So it's okay that largely most of the characters in this are 
caricatures. Um, you know, so like, I think in that way, it's less offensive that like the Chinese cook is, you know, kind of a stereotype for about half his screen time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just sort of like, you know, yelling in, in indecipherable Chinese kind of, and then he speaks a little bit in broken English and, you know, and that we have like, you know, Aboriginal mysticism and stuff, which is you know, native mysticism is a touchy area. Yeah. You know, for storytelling. But if this is a fable, I think it is excusable and works. Right. Except then we have this whole right. ending and then, bit where everything gets more serious. People get more nuanced. I do like um, your read. That we are, it we is... are talking about things that are kind of more serious and upsetting and not really giving them full attention. No, no. I do like your read that it is the opposite of escaping from realism into a fantasy world. It is that the idea it's maybe even about you know, making legends out of the past, like over idolizing, you know. Yeah, it was. So we're going from romance. Yeah, in, Rom- in, overly romanticizing the past. Right, yeah. Right. Into a simpler time. Yeah, to, into a harsher, you know. That's really interesting. World at the end of it. It's really interesting. I don't think it's handled well, but if that no. was the intent. But see, I don't think yeah. that's the intent because, because there's so much well, else on this motherfucker. Like, it's literally Boz Lerman trying to be like, wow, you know, racism against, you know, the first peoples of Australia is bad, which is true. And that the Stolen Generations was horrible and nobody knows, not nobody, but like not enough people know about it. And that's also true. But to try and make a movie about that, that's not really, you know, it touches on that. But then to put in all this other stuff feels overburdened. Like, it could have been a movie that, you know ends with roughly the same stuff, you know. Drover could have just had enough for a different reason, not because he thought his wife had just died in war, but he could have just been like, no, this is my brother-in-law. He's going to drink with me in this bar. Yeah. And you're going to give him a glass. Like, it could have been the same thing. Also, Hugh Jackman's great in that scene. Oh, yeah. He's, like, so furious and sad that he's just, like, He's barely moving and like crying. Yeah, he's like silently weeping, Ugh. but you can't even hear it in his voice. It's just like he's got all this pain on his face, but he's very He's great. You know, he, yeah, like it's a really impactful scene, which is kind of terrible that like I feel like it's that doesn't need to be in there, but No, like, no, I think the scene is yeah. good. I think that yeah. the 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 co- it's cause and effect. I think the effect that we got to this scene is good, but yeah. how we got there doesn't. We don't. I don't think we need a war to break out in the third act of this movie. Yeah, but so yeah, it's it's very much like you know, no, my my brother in law is coming in here to drink with me, and you're going to give him a real glass, not a tin cup. Right, and I, I don't know. It, it's yeah. just it feels like he Bos Lerman was reaching for like noble efforts, but like just bit off more than he could chew kind of now you said there was some budgetary well, so problems. there's a lot of things first off this was his third idea <laughs> according to wikipedia apparently he wanted his next film that turned out to be this he was planning to make a film about alexander the great oh i remember hearing about this yep. uh the but what's the oliver stone movie the oliver stone came out yeah yep. and then he was like well fuck it then yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember hearing about this years ago when when oliver yep. stone's thing came out Yep. So then he got into Australian history and was thinking about doing a film about the First Fleet, which is the initial 11 ships that brought British prisoners to Australia. He allegedly wanted to explore Australia's relationship with England and its indigenous population. 
but then I think decided that it would be more interesting or impactful or whatever to be uh, talking about the stolen generations. So he yeah. moved it from uh, 1787 to instead set it in uh, 1939 40, to 1942. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So initially, he was we, just we did gonna... a bit of cycling right. to get to this point. Um, filming went it massively shows... over budget. It was originally a hundred million. The estimated actual budget was a hundred and fifty million. Okay. Which is a stupid increase. Yeah. They had a lot of issues with where they were shooting. I don't know what the area was, but they were shooting in an area that apparently was like notably very arid and they had one of their first like massive rainfalls in fifty years and completely washed out the set that they were using. So they had to, yeah, yep. Um, They had, uh, at one point during filming, an equine flu was going through Australia, so a lot of the horses were quarantined. (laughs) One sympathizes. Right. They didn't get a lot of financial support in most of the areas that they were filming in, with the exception of Bowen was chosen as a filming location because they got a half a million in financing by the Queensland government. Okay. And also during shooting, uh, Nicole Kidman was pregnant with her first child. So she was dealing with morning sickness for a lot of oh, this no. and actually fainted while on a horse at one point. Oh, no. During... Fainting on a horse. That sounds yeah. terrible. Yep. So, yeah, there was just a lot of um, things going wrong a lot. <laughs> um, it also looked and they I didn't see anything in depth about this, but it looks like they did some significant like post-production and reshoots and stuff. And, and you were even saying in a couple of scenes, it looked like there were insert shots that were either a lot closer up or yeah. in a worse, uh, like, or in a different film grain or something or resolution. Um, they, there were shots that, like, there'll be a faraway shot and it's the two actors on horses, like, looking at each other, talking, the horses moving around. Mm-hmm. And then for their, for their close-ups... It just looks like a green... It all looks like the fucking arena fight scene from Attack of the Clones, where it's all people shot from, like, the collarbones up with, like, a kind of out-of-focus thing behind them Mm -hmm. that you know from context is, you know, whatever. In this case, the ranch. But I'm just like... Like, it looks like a fucking, like like, a nasal spray commercial as much as it looks like a Western. Like, I was like, what? I was like, these insert shots are terrible. They look really phony. And I was like, there's a chance that it's just like unfortunate, like lens choice. Yeah. That shortened the depth of field and made it look, you know, there was nothing in the middle to give it like any kind of separation. So you just see like an out of focus background and a character that's shot from kind of too close up, you know, in the foreground, very in focus. Mm -hmm. But I was like, it just looks like shit. Like for the most part, that doesn't look, it's just kind of distracting to me, but I'm nitpicky. There is a shot of her horse that I was like, is the horse fucking green screened? Like, is the horse not even there? I was freaked. Like, I was like, the horse looks like it's lit by a different sun. Like, it comes from Krypton or something. Like, I was just like, what is happening? And then, then there's the cattle drive, which is like an important part of the movie. And boy, it looks like shit. Yeah, there are some spots in that that aren't quite up to snuff whereas no. like a lot of the far away down shooting is really lovely yes like the straight up a... western shit where yeah. they are like riding horses with the cattle like in the woods on the ranch around the it all looks great because like turns out like nature's beautiful i've talked about this before i talk about <laughs> this all the time yeah nature's beautiful everybody go look at nature 
Um, wear a mask <laughs> when you go. But like the cattle drive, it's like the cattle are, you know, scared by the fire that you mentioned. So they're bolting along the edge of this ravine and a couple of them are just like falling in. So of course those are CG cattle, which is cool. I'm great with not harming animals. Good, good deal. But they don't look great. Um, but it's forgivable. But then there's like weirdly green screen Attack of the Clones level bullshit. That, I'm sorry, that shit did not age well. Um, of like Kipling and I think Nulla and maybe like maybe Magari. I don't remember. All like their horses on the edge of the ravine. But like the actors, like they put the actors in and they look too in focus. Yeah. With how everything else is a little bit fuzzy and it's just bad. It's just bad. Um, and then yeah, it's shot in a way to hide the seams where it's like, oh, we're a little too close on all these shots. It doesn't really give perspective. You're not really sure how far the fucking cattle are. Like there's a bunch of bad editing where you see like Nulla's heel, like right on the edge of the cliff Oh, and like yeah. knocking rocks in. Mm -hmm. And then the overhead shot, he's like five feet from it. And I'm like, just edit it right. Like, I don't, this is like day one shit. Mm hmm. I'm not a film editor, but I could probably have done at least a better job than that, if not the best job you've ever seen. But yeah, no, I think I think a lot of that is is due to just they had. A yeah, lot it, of it sounds like it was issues. very troubled production. Yeah, and that's yeah. a shame because I think, like I said, I think the goal here was noble. The message was good, but the method was flawed. I don't think it's, I don't think it's totally like a terrible idea. I just think it needed like a little refocus. I also don't love, you know, using really serious occurrences as, like, fodder for drama unless you're willing to give it, like, that level of weight. Are you talking about the war? The bombing? Or... Both, man. Well, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm yeah. asking, like... Or are you talking about, like, the, the mother drowning, which I think is no, no, unnecessary. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about the stolen generations as subject matter and World War II as subject matter. I think neither of them were particular... and. So, Honestly, I'd, I'd venture to say that the, the the war was covered better than, you know. Yeah. So I so than, than the stolen that. generations as a thing can only sort of be like viewed in hindsight. Like I think yeah. it's hard to it would be hard to make a movie about it because it doesn't on its surface seem as bad as it was. Like a lot of the people involved are you know like oh these children are orphans. What they don't know is that they're being taken from their families. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I mean, like a lot of instances where you have a bunch of kids, you know, not yeah. with their families, there was a lot of uh, physical and sexual abuse and like, well, all that yeah, we don't got to go into that. You know, that's unnecessary yeah. for the, so, any, for this movie. But so like, I'm saying like to, to use that as like a dramatic thrust, but then not treat it as right, if like something like that like dire and serious i mean and you're right. supposed to feel for nicole kidman uh you know kind of like losing her adopted son that way but i don't think that it's like it's so much more of an like enormous you know right. it's something that should be the focus of the movie right and it's right. not so yes it's, to be clear this is yeah. a romance yeah this is a romance movie yeah. that has a as a b plot has like horrible historical events in it. Yeah, it's like as the B plot. It's like how Pearl Harbor felt a little tasteless because it was done for like romantic drama. Yeah, but honestly, like, honestly, I would rather watch this than Pearl Harbor. 
Yeah. The movie Pearl Harbor. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, yes. Pearl Harbor doesn't look as good and nope. isn't as fun. <laughs> it's not as fun. It's not as good. And I don't think there's a single performance in it that's anywhere near as good as the worst performance in this movie. I don't even know if I... So I think I watched part of Pearl Harbor once. So to be fair, I didn't... I don't think I finished it. And um, I watched it because ago. it was, you know, a director I, I not like, but generally like, you know, I'm down with. And the cast was pretty good. It was people I generally have goodwill towards. And I was like, I'll check this out. And it was like horribly boring and yeah. uninteresting. And I didn't care about anybody. And it looked like shit. Mm -hmm. So future episode, I guess. Yeah, this is not a movie that's really about the Stolen Generations. It's a movie about, you know, this woman uh, learning to love again. And melting this, uh, you know, hunk's... Well, he's Heart also of learning ice. to love again. Well, that's, yeah, but I mean, like... Everybody's learning to love again. Right. And then also, by the way, this... Ha like, it's... it's When you put it like that, thinking about it like that, it's actually very tasteless. Yeah. Um. So that's the part that rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I agree. You can find other vehicles for drama well, this should just exploiting... Be, this should just be a movie about kind of the Stolen Generations and the war. Yeah. Because those two things are linked. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can do those two things... Well, I don't think you can do the Stolen Generations justice really without the war being a part of it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good climax. Well, like, also, oh, and then the, the, the island is bombed and the town is bombed and then we rescue they, the kids. Like, that's a good climax, but not for this movie. They even pay lip service when they're carting all the kids off to the island. You know, some of the women are talking about it and the ones like... I think it was Catherine, actually. is like, wait, so we're sending our children south to be safe and we're sending their children north by themselves? Yeah. You know, but like, that's the thing is that should be more than just one line. Right. A character, a character <laughs> whose know? name we didn't remember, who right. has like four lines in right. the third act, right. who is not even in the movie before then. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's and and other movies have done this, too, where I'm just like, I don't care. F you know, like it bothers me less in Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe because it's talked about in the very beginning that that's why the kids are going out to the country without their parents right and then we don't really talk about it afterwards like that's not the the you know the Lion inclusion the Witch, of yeah. war is what yeah the lion about? the witch in the wardrobe isn't a world war ii story no it's a jesus story it is but but yeah that's that's you know yeah so i mean like you can set things whenever the hell you want to set them but then whether or not that's what the story is about is up to you Exactly. What is your what are your themes? What are you driving at and how are you getting there? Right. And yeah, this I think misses on most of that. And like it's also telling that and again, uh, A for effort, but it's telling that the shit that Boz Lerman nailed in this movie is the fun romance. Got, That's like what he's good at doing. Right. So, I mean, and like I said, he's he's good at these sweeping emotional things. He's good at making emotional moments land, but not good at epic size things Although you know i, I want to stop short of you know really digging him on that because i also do believe that people should try different things and push their boundaries and stuff too you know yeah yeah i i'm not saying oh find one thing and never do anything else yeah although a lot more people would be a lot more successful but yeah no this is something that he hasn't historically been adept at and so but it's he not went... necessarily a surprise that, yeah you know, and it's, it's also it not like tough. his his last movie was like or any of his movies, like, immediately previous to this were, like, small independent dramas. Like, he didn't make coffee and cigarettes right before this. Yeah. Like, you know, he did Romeo and Juliet, which is, like, elaborate but reasonable because it's all mm -hmm. human interaction. 
there's like one shitty car chase that's not even shot well, which at the time I chalked up to maybe budgetary things or time or whatever. And now I'm like, oh, I just don't think he would have any idea how to direct a car chase. Because then, yeah, then we have Moulin Rouge, which is also like the large scale things in that are janky as hell. And then this, he goes from like in Moulin Rouge, the biggest thing in that movie is like some big elaborate dance number, right? Yeah. And then in this, he's like, oh, and this movie will end with a fucking bombing of a city. It's like, that's your reach out seeding your grasp. Like, you might want to do this, but like, maybe bring in a friend to direct it. Like, do you have any directors who have done any kind of war movies? Are you, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I just, I, I think he wanted to make a movie that, yeah, like made a statement because he found out about these horrible things you didn't know all the details of. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, it's obvious what resonates with him and because it's what he can like really it's what he makes work in this yeah you know i'd love to just see a fucking western directed by Boz lerman like don't put any anachronistic music in it like don't have be like oh uh lil nas x like oh. i don't i don't want hugh jackman to break into fucking lil nas x cowboy song like just do a western and you know make it a western romance it's great like it's fine. It's totally good. And that would have been a great movie. And set in Australia, like, it's an interesting change of scenery. Yeah. And like, oh, that would have been so good. But then to be like, oh, and, you know, I'm also going to make it like life is beautiful or whatever. Like, I'm going to make it about something. Like, it's rough. So what did you like about the movie? Now that we've spoken about what did not work for us, which unfortunately is like important stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know. I, I think in general, a lot of the performances are very good. Yeah. Um, I like... What do you, what do you think? The, I, I, meant, I said that I think every uh, performance in Pearl Harbor is worse than the worst performance in this. What do you think the worst performance in this is? Right? There's not one. Maybe no. it's Kipling. Yeah. He's kind of like overly cartoonish. Yeah. Maybe, but it's a very, it's a very slim. I think everybody's but then pretty even, good. Even then, you know, he like when he shows is, up, he's he is killed in in yeah, you know, yeah. the stampede trying. If to anybody hears help. a jingle bell, it's uh, Jericho is here, and he has one. So, hello, buddy. Yeah. When Kipling shows up and he's introducing himself, he's like, his name is Kipling Flynn, and he's sloshed, and he's like. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is like, I was Grover like, oh has boy. has to translate <laughs> that he's introducing himself. Yeah, I was like, oh boy, I hope this is not how this character speaks the whole time. And luckily no. it's not. No, uh, uh, actually there's very strong rules about uh, if you're on a drive, you're not allowed to drink. Yeah, no. No, no drinking boobs. and driving. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Although they break that when uh, Kipling dies. They have uh, two yeah, drinks all, in his memory. Yeah, they yeah. all get a uh, little lit mm-hmm. yeah, in his honor. I get yeah. that. There's some good comedy in the beginning. Um, you get Nella's backstory, you get you know her backstory, and then you see Drover, and he's in town. He's at the bar that later on he will solve racism in, but and sexism and and sexism by as a byproduct um, of those two things. Yep. But uh, he hasn't solved it yet. Uh, so so uh, you know his brother-in-law is still standing out on the on the sidewalk there, the planks, and um, I think they call it a boardwalk. Maybe. I think in the Old West. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. There's yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, sort of a saloon-esque a thing called the Territory. Yes, it's called the Territory. But yeah, um, so he's in there and, you know... The... Yeah, everything's got cute names. Yeah, this, it's all that so. stuff he, uh, you know, Bos Lerman, I think, loves, you know, set 
dressing like metaphorically yeah. and figure and yeah. literally like mm -hmm. it's i think he's good at world building like that yeah uh also the uh costuming was done by Catherine martin uh it's great who um, and and that was the one like oscar nomination that this film got was for best costumes oh or i think for, that's for I think it's, costume design i think it's earned yeah um, They're great. So, I mean, like, uh, it's he, another it's another he, movie that Baz Luhrmann directed where Nicole Kidman has the best outfits in the movie, yeah. like hands down. Yeah. She looks great. He historically works with really good people for like yeah. costume and set design where, yeah. you know, he's got a good like aesthetic eye. Yeah, he knows what he wants, yeah. I think, and knows who can, you know, deliver can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah her her outfit, like when she first shows up in town yeah. is like blue and like it's blue and white and. It's very crisp, you know, and then everything in town is kind of like dusty and like very warm tone and stuff. And the town itself, you know, uh, uh, is like the, the dock and stuff. It's all sunny. Yeah. And so she there stands are some out. Other fancy ladies that come to meet her, but uh, they're not dressed nearly as godly as she is. No, no, they have they, they're very like little house on the prairie looking. Um, and yeah. and she's it's straight up like she has this whole thing of like, well, Australia is definitely beneath me. Like her attitude when she first shows up. Mm -hmm. Cause like the one woman's like, Oh, Hey, my, you know, my husband works out at whatever, you know, at, at far away downs or something. And she's like, excuse me. And like walks past them. And, but, uh, the drover in the bar, you know, the, the fucking, the townies there are being racist and, you know, it's like, yeah, go outside and with your fucking whatever, some derogatory slur. And uh, <laughs> Hugh Jackman's got his back to the guy, his face is in the camera lens, and he's like, I hate coming to town. <laughs> it's a good line. And, and he turns around and like, you didn't, yeah, he's yeah. like, you didn't just say that, did you? And he's <laughs> like, oh, I did. And then they get in a big old bar fight, which spills out in the street and knocks her luggage into the dirt, which I guess her luggage also spills out in the street. Yeah. And then he's like holding her fancy lacy under things. He's like, oh, got your, oh, got your underwear here. And she's like, oh god! And she like almost hyperventilates. Yeah, it's it's the it's the one time that she's doing like the high pitched like squealing and stuff that yeah. like she kind of does in Moulin Rouge, and that was the one thing where I'm kind of like, ugh. But for a lot of the rest of the movie, she's you know charming and funny. Yeah. and I mean, so is everybody. You yeah, know? like once she decides that she's not going to take anybody's shit. Yeah. out on Faraway Downs, she becomes incredibly like well rounded. Yeah. But she starts off as a full-on caricature. Well, and I it's mean, just a faster turn for her than for sure. Other, you know? Like, because his his arc is the whole movie. You know, he's he's closed off until like the third act, and then he mm -hmm. like finally is like, ah, I don't. I mean, he doesn't even actually tell her he loves her after he realizes he should have, but he does. You know, return and, and reunite with them and rescue the kid and all that. But like, that's his arc. But that takes the whole movie. Hers is a lot faster. But they're both caricatures when yeah. they when they're introduced his just lasts longer yeah well and like i mean her whole thing i think is supposed to be like you know little fish out of water funny but also she's as a character is very capable in a lot yeah. of ways and it's it's also i guess sort of like that adjustment period of like you're expected to act one way in england you're expected to act another way here yeah kind of um i like uh you know she's talking to him in the, in the long truck ride through the desert, you know, mm -hmm. and, and she's like, Oh, so you're like some type of cowboy. And he goes, nah, you goose. I'm a drover. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Hugh Jackman's just like fucking charming. Like it's, yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Um, she looks out the window and she's excited to see kangaroos and yeah. everything she's saying. He's like, uh huh. Yep. And she's like, look at them all. They're so big. He's like, they're yeah. jumping. He's like, yep, they're jumping. They yep, they're jumping. jumping. <laughs> and then immediately, like, uh, Magari shoots one from the top of the truck. 
and they eat it that night for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, God. <laughs> we've, we've talked about this, right? That, like... What? Apparently everybody's like, oh, kangaroos. And then if you actually live in Australia, like, they're a fucking nuisance. And yeah. a lot of people, like, it's like um deer in, in Pennsylvania where it's like, well, they wander onto roadways and yeah. they get hit by cars and stuff. Yeah, and, you can't climb in their pouch. Know. It's all slimy. <laughs> They'll kick your fucking head off. Koalas have syphilis. Chlamydia? Oh, is it chlamydia? I thought. Koalamidia? Yeah. Okay. That's how you can remember it. I don't know. I've never slept with one, Allison. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not an um, expert like you are. Also, I believe I read that like um, <laughs> eucalyptus is like mildly intoxicating and it's, you know, 90% of their diet. Have you seen koalas? Yeah. You, oh, tell me something I didn't know. <laughs> Have you seen koalas? They don't. I don't think anyone would ever describe koalas as an animal that has it all together. <laughs> I liked a lot of the, I didn't I didn't write down nearly enough of it but I liked a lot of the like dialogue because it incorporated Australianisms without feeling search and findy like oh we're just going to plug in you know oh. terms here and there it felt sure. real and and natural uh in a way that some stuff doesn't Yeah. And I mean like yes everybody in this movie is Australian you know like whatever but not everybody but a lot of them. Yeah. If you know and like and, I, I mean, everybody considered for it also, because originally it was supposed to be Russell Crowe. He, he just couldn't it, remember had, how to do his accent again. They had scheduling difficulties, and then he also wasn't willing to budge on um, his salary for the budget constraints that they had. Oh. So, you know, then it Sounds was like maybe, Russell Crowe. It was maybe going to be Heath Ledger, but oh. apparently he was a little salty about not about getting passed over for Moulin Rouge. And so he ended up working on something else instead. I forget what. I, I um, like Hugh Jackman in this too much to entertain yeah. the idea of anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, okay. So yeah, all like in all, I like that uh, this movie is, is Baz Luhrmann taking two genres that are typically very, macho we don't really talk about our feelings genres oh and making them sensitive and making that's, it a romance yeah that's interesting it's a war movie and a western and those are kind of like yeah and i think that's interesting yeah um i also love that the theater in town is called the pearl picture garden mm -hmm. i think that's a great detail mm -hmm. it's really nice um yeah i don't know do you want to vote you seem to want to vote yeah sure this i'd actually very sincerely say it as a watch um it's not going to be for everybody but there are probably some people that would really enjoy this you need to be willing to strap in for the length because it is i think overly long but as as just sort of like a a mood piece you know as a vibe or whatever there's definitely yeah you know things to like about it because again boslerman does pay very good attention to uh, uh, having a coherent style and there are a lot of parts to this that are fairly stylish so i think and i mean again a lot of hugh jackman just looking absolutely <laughs> good times what do you think um i think it is a it is a strong watch or maybe the weakest possible great watch because i think two-thirds of the movie being as good as they are and as enjoyable as they are almost makes up for how like just disjointed the third act feels there's some emotional things that pay off well mm -hmm. 
but the story really takes a, a very, you know, tonally strange diversion that we've discussed. But I had such a good time with the characters and the first, you know, the whole big chunk of the movie is, like, great. Yeah. Them, Honestly, Them like, arriving in Darwin with the herd is just a great sequence. It's great. It's, it's so good. And, like, if, yeah, if the end of the movie was, like, yeah, they, they do the ball and then they kiss and then... If it ended with that narration of like, you know, two years have passed and, and it's and it's, you know, Nulla being like, oh, and then the Drover and Mrs. Boss, you know, settled down. And did, I, he said he says a lot of real slangy slang. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's like, oh, and they did the didgeridoo, whatever, all that. Like, and, you know, if it was just that and he went, all right, good night, the end. And then the end came up on screen. Then that movie's great. <laughs> yeah, and it would have only been an hour and 50 minutes. Right. Which is a great runtime. Yeah. Top notch runtime, y'all. So I feel like you could maybe even, you ever hear those stories about, um, and I've seen, I've seen these tapes, stories about uh, where like really conservative or Christian uh, families would take films and then like dupe them on VCRs and take out sex and violence and then be like, oh, here's the mask, but we cut out all the like really offensive stuff or whatever, you know, or here's, you know, or here's like face off, but we cut out the, you know, like stuff that might be offensive. And, like, so I'd heard about this, didn't believe it. A friend of mine who, I mean, not a friend any longer, but an acquaintance of mine at the time who had grown up in that world was like, I will show you one, um, and gave me one uh, to to watch. And it's fucking crazy. What movie was it? Uh, It was Face Off. And it was fucking crazy. Huh. Because, like, a lot of that movie's, like, objectionable if you're, like, extremely conservative and or Christian, you know? Yeah. Because it's all violence and, you know, he's, in the beginning, Cage is squeezing that choir girl's ass and making that fucking demon face and talking about how he could eat a peach for hours. And... No, he's not, Hunter, because that wasn't <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, so it was just wild and I, you know, had to return the tape, but I have seen them. So, oh, okay. I don't know if I've ever asked for this on the podcast before. If anybody has access to those tapes, like if anybody's like, oh, I... You know, found somebody yard sale or like I, you know, volunteer at a very conservative Christian church in my town and for some reason still listen to this podcast because I'm a rebel, I guess. And you want to mail them to me? Uh, there's a, I'll put a P.O. box drop in here somewhere. But uh, um, yeah, send it to Movie John Attention HWGW P.O. Box 20172 Philadelphia, PA 19145. Um, yeah. I would love to get my hands on some of these now, yeah, especially if they're for movies that have come out in the past, like, 20 years. Email us. We'll get in touch. Yes, please. Um, but I forget where I was going with this. Where was I going with this? Uh, you were talking about, we were talking about the runtime of this and that if they cut it off before the war stuff. Oh, it would be an hour would, and 50 minutes. Yeah. yeah around there. Yeah. Oh, actually, I was going to say, if you, if you have access, if you're one of these people that does this. And you just want to cut out that last third and do what I said. And after his narration of like, and then it was domesticated bliss between the Drova and Mrs. Boss. And then just roll credits. <laughs> Be like, I cut out the objectionable, part, objectionable parts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, again, I think it was uh, a noble. Yeah. Then certain plot points don't get resolved and you don't get to see Fletcher die. But like, there's also a lot of other things that you can no but then you can be then, but on. then the kids of yeah. the church group can be excited for the sequel australia 2 yeah revenge of the drop bears <laughs> wait do you think drop bears are koalas 
Yeah, they are. Are no, they not? They're not. What's the difference? Don't Dro- say one's real and one's not. Drop bears aren't even bears. Oh. Maybe they are. I have no they? idea. I thought they were I thought they were koalas. No, I thought they were like a kind of koala that was like murderous. No. Wait, do you not know? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if you're fucking with me or not. God damn it. Well, this this is why when we were talking about the Wizard of Oz, I'm like, have you seriously never heard about this? No, I never heard that. Okay, because like, did Drop Bears tell you that? Oh my god, no. <laughs> anyway, real quick before we go, before we do the outro, I'm gonna read five Australian slang terms. Well, terms, not slang. And I want you to tell me what they are. Okay. Boil over. What do you What do you think a boil over is? Is, is that like a, a cooking style or method? No, that makes sense. Um. It's apparently an unexpected sporting result. Oh, okay. Tinny or tinost. A drunk. Means lucky, apparently. Oh, okay. Uh, ducks. D-U-X. Ducks. Is that a shortened form of something? It doesn't say in this. Like duxedo uh, there I actually don't know. is there actually <laughs> i see if i give you the sentence it'll, it'll explain what it is mm-hmm. duxedo duxedo made of ducks <laughs> ducks what do you think of this i said shortened form of duxedo oh okay um no turns out that's not right uh, <laughs> uh to, to be in the top of the class and the example is she ducks four of her subjects yeah, I just... Like aced? I guess, yeah. Huh. A ute. ute. How's that spelled? U-T-E. I don't know. Is that like an ATV? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's apparently a utility vehicle. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. partial points on yeah. that one. Okay. And uh, we'll do one more. You pick the letter. R. R. Rack off. Can you spell that? Uh, it's R-A-C-K-O-F-F. Two, two words. Uh, is that a fight? Uh, it's, it's how you would start a fight. It's basically like, get lost. Uh-huh. Fuck out of here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. That's close. All yeah. Right. So those are some, I looked up a glossary of Australian terms. It's pretty extensive, actually. It's got... I don't think any of those were used in the film. No, no, no. Um, that would be too easy, huh? I get, or, I mean, I don't know. Wog is a flu or trivial illness. 4X is a... Band, brand of beer made in Queensland. Hmm. I'm just looking at, like, Zach. Is that like Dos Equis, but twice? <laughs> Dos Dos Equis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zach is five cents. As in, like, isn't worth a Zach, which means, like, you know. Yeah. Is that what's on the money, maybe? Yeah, it's uh, Zach from Saved by the Bell. Oh, my God. We love it down here. Well, like how um in Canada they have... Screech, lo- mate. In Canada they have loonies. <laughs> Yeah, but like, right, but what's on the Zack? What do you think is the Zack? I don't know. <laughs> it's the Black Ranger from the first season of Power Rangers. No, like, it's probably somebody Australian who I don't it's know. It's time. <laughs> I love the idea of the Zack Morris coin or the Zack fucking Power Ranger. Fuck. Oh, God, that's funny. Anyway. Thanks for listening. Weren't you going to end with uh, something about drop bears? Was I? You had me write it down in circle and then you made fun of my penmanship. Mm, do remember that. <laughs>
What was and, I going to say about and now, drop bears? And now I've forgotten completely. What was I going to say about drop bears? I don't know. Oh, I, I think I was going to talk about that, you know, since this was supposed to be a fable, it should have just been a fab- more of a fable, a Western. Could have had drop bears and other, like, you know, tall tales and stuff sort of more woven into it. That would have also been more supporting the Wizard of Oz sort of feel, you know. You could have made that work a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was where I was going. I, I might have had a specific idea, but I don't remember it now. Okay. But yeah. All right. Well, we got to go uh, make yeah. our drawings of Australia. Yes. Um, thank you all for listening yeah. um, to our special secret third installment of Love with Lerman. Thanks for thanks for listening. Uh, Allison, thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing this, Hunter. You can email us at writehatewatchgreatwatch. That's W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W, gmail.com. You can uh, find us on Twitter and Instagram at HWGW Podcast. Get us every other Wednesday. That's every, every other, other Wednesday. Wednesday. That's every other Wednesday. day. Uh, what? Oh, God. <laughs> Wednesday. Okay. Uh, on moviejohn.com. Uh, please support the Movie John Patreon. And if you're not, Get vaxxed, get boosted, wear a mask, keep your distance from people, you know, not saying you gotta totally stay inside all the time, but like, everybody be safe. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks with some more weird, goofy crap. I hope you enjoy our freehand, no reference drawings of Australia, because I guarantee you won't. All right. (laughs) All right. Do we have an Australian, is there an Australian goodbye? Is there like a... uh, this says catch you later. This says Huru. H O O R O O. Huru. Alright. Well, Huru. Catch you later. <laughs>a very different James Bond movie where he's wearing a duxedo where he comes in and it's like wah, 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 wah. Bond. James Bond. Quiet, quackers. <laughs> I was trying to think of if I had a, a duck pun for James Bond and I don't. James Pond? James Pond is it. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only one. It's the only one.